You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I am a prospect writer and analyst, as well as the founder of JustBaseball.com. And in today's episode, we are going to mix it up a little bit. I did not want to do another team. I wanted to break it up a tad. So before I get into the next top 10 system or top 10 prospects for a team's farm system, we're going to go positionally. We're going to go positionally. And I wanted to start with no other spot than the shortstop position. And I really am excited to talk about the shortstops because guess what? We're going to shake this thing up a little bit too. I have really spent some time watching, I mean, way too much video and diving way too deep into the numbers and the batted ball data and everything in between. And I realized that there's some slight adjustments that I should make to this top shortstop prospect list. And uh, just a little reminder as well that I'm going to be updating uh, my personal top 100 prospect list, which you can see at justbaseball.com. And uh, it's going to be updated right around the end of the Arizona Fall League. So a lot of these uh, top positional podcasts will be a little bit of a clue into what the top 100 is going to look like. I may make some slight adjustments as uh, I may obtain a little bit more data, a little bit more information, but for the most part, I feel pretty strong about where I'm at with these players and where I'm at with this uh, at least top five here of the shortstop position. And then I'll probably do a part two of the top shortstops where I'll go from five to 10 or six to 10, uh, however deep I get into this one. Uh, But we'll start with number one. And this is where there isn't too much suspense. You know who number one is. I'm not going to spend too much time here because I've already talked about him so much over the last several episodes, but Bobby Wood Jr., I mean, he's a true five-tool type of player. Uh, He's got crazy, crazy power. He went 20-20 in 90 games. He was a home run, or a stolen base, excuse me, away from 30-30, hit a ton of jacks, has power to all fields, plus defender, uh, plus runner. The guy is everything you want in a shortstop. He's really that type of prototypical made-in-a-lab type of baseball player. Uh, that I'll say about Wander Franco. But when I say it about Franco, it's because he has these bats of all skills that you just don't see anywhere else. With Witt, it's more so the tools across the board. Uh, if I have one concern with Bobby Witt still, and this has been the concern I've always had, that I think he is he has lessened this question for me uh, by hitting at the upper levels. But there's still some questions as to you know whether he'll be able to handle some of the big league stuff to the point where he'll be able to hit in the 285, 290 range like he did for so much of this minor league season, I still see some swing and miss there. I still see at times some getting caught in between and uh, his zone contact at times is a bit lower than you would expect given his offensive output. And that's something that I'm just a little bit wary of. And again, when I'm talking about these guys, I'm being super nitpicky. This is my number one prospect in baseball. Uh, When I was talking about Wander Franco, I couldn't really even come up with a question I had. The only question was how much power is he going to hit for? And he was already answering that one. Uh, So really, it was just maybe defense, and he was already showing how much better he was defensively. So I really didn't have anything specific on Franco. Uh, With Bobby Witt, 
this is the only small hair to split is that his zone contact's a little bit lower than I'd like it to be. You see some swings and misses through pitches that you'd think he'd be on, uh, but overall, he's able to make those adjustments in the at-bat and, and have success. So I'm only worried about it at the major league level against really high-quality pitching to see if maybe they're able to target some of his weaknesses a little bit more, target those blue zones for him a bit more. Uh, but that's something that I still have full confidence that he would be able to iron out. This is more so to the point of, I think he's big league ready. Uh, and he's, he's ready to go and ready to you know feel his way out up there. But I don't know if it's going to be that same kind of just roll into the big leagues and rake right away like Wander Franco did all the way into the playoffs. I think, Bobby Witt, there could be some growing pains, and that's okay. Uh, that's okay because there's not really a rush on this kid. He's obviously climbing through the minor leagues so quickly, and he showed that he can hit upper-level pitching. He's going to be a superstar. It's just whether he's going to hit right away or if there, there's going to be some growing pains. And I think it's going to be somewhere between the two. There's going to be some swing and miss, no doubt, early on and throughout his career. But I think there's going to be a little bit more swing and miss early on. But he will be able to still produce even if he's striking out at a near 30% clip because of the ability he has to adjust between at-bats, because of the way he pounds mistakes, and because of the way that he is able to bring value beyond just his offensive production. He walks a decent amount of the time. He plays great defense. He is a plus runner. Uh, There's enough there that you're going to be able to justify having him in the lineup every day and he's still going to run into baseballs even if he's hitting 240 he's going to hit his home runs and he's still going to get on base and he's still going to steal bags and he's still going to play good defense so there's still that justification of putting him right away in the big leagues but uh you know we'll see how uh, ready he is right out of the gate for major league caliber pitching he's still my number one shortstop and at number two and this is where it gets really tough still sometimes because you could go with somebody like Marco Luciano or you could go with C.J. Abrams, and I lean still, and this was who I had earlier on, so I know I said I shook up the top five a little bit. You'll see where I shake it up once we get to the four spot, uh, but where I lean here still is C.J. Abrams, and uh, the more data I have access to, the more I'm able to watch, the more that I am just able to see what C.J. Abrams is about as a ball player, another guy who gets super high marks for his makeup and the way he plays the game. The defense has gotten so much better. I think the defense is above average, above average defensive shortstop, crazy range. I mean, we're talking about an 80 grade runner and people are very quick to relegate him to potentially center field. I think that his maximum value right now is at shortstop because there is above average power there. And I'm going to get to the power in a second that I have more confidence in than I ever did before. Uh, But also just what he's done defensively. The arm plays got an above average arm there. His footwork has gotten so much better. His actions are better. He's been able to make those throws from different arm slots that he didn't do as much before. He no doubt is able to stick at shortstop in my opinion with the speed, with the actions, and with the arm and he showed that uh, this year. Unfortunately, Abrams ended up going down with a knee injury uh, and that cut his season short to just 42 games, but he got the aggressive assignment straight to double A. And remember this is a guy that was drafted in 2019 played 34 games in rookie ball then had no 2020 season and then jumped straight into double A as a 20-year-old this year and was really good in those 42 games. He was great in spring training, hit two home runs. You you saw him go backside homers, as I was saying so often. Uh, When when C.J. Abrams is able to go oppo for homers, you got to feel really good uh, because that's a guy who we were waiting to see what the power would look like. His pull side power to me is is already presently above average. He pulled a couple home runs uh, that were absolute bombs uh, this year that were well over 100 miles per hour on the exit velo and uh, got out of there in a hurry. He's got pull side pop. 
but he also has the ability to go the other way. And I think we've seen that. He had two home runs in the 42 games, which is not quite what we were expecting, but he had two home runs in spring training against big league pitching. And I think he was still feeling out uh, the double A competition a little bit. He was more focused on putting the ball in play, uh, just being a good double A hitter. And he was just that. He struck out 19.7% of the time. He walked 8% of the time, which is actually elite, in my opinion, for somebody of his speed. It's slightly above average in the walk department, but with someone of his speed, somebody that is typically swinging at the first pitch, he does so much damage on the first pitch, and nobody wants to put somebody with 80 grade speed on base. I mean, he stole 13 bags in 42 games. Uh, Everyone knows how fast he is. Slash 296, 363, 420. So the slugging department's the only area that's lacking. 296, 363 with his speed to get on base at that clip. That's spectacular. It really is. And I'm expecting him to hit for more power. I really do see that coming out here in the next season, especially as he gets more comfortable leveraging those hitters counts because he's been a guy that's so bat to ball oriented for so much of his amateur career and through high school. And yeah, he did damage, but it was all about the speed, especially in the showcase circuit. Uh, Just put the ball in the gap, put the ball in play and show off your speed. That's always going to be part of his game. But when he's up in the count, uh, when he's ahead, he can go try to do some damage because he's got enough power. I put 55 grade on the raw power. I think there's 50 at least game power. I would lean maybe 55 game power potential uh, with what I'm able to see from him already so far. And that would mean that he's capable of hitting 20 home runs. I really think in the right spot as he continues to develop and he still has some room to fill out. And I don't think it's going to slow him down that much at this point. He's just such a good athlete that he puts on 10 more pounds. I see 55 grade game power, uh, no doubt about it. The, the hit tools plus, no doubt. And you put that together you at the shortstop position with his speed. Uh, you've got to have the number two uh, shortstop prospect in baseball here and somebody that's solidly inside of the top 10 for me. And I cannot wait to watch him play uh, next year. And he just gets the edge over Marco Luciano, who I think has the offensive upside of any prospect in baseball. Seriously, offensive upside of any prospect in baseball. Because when we talk about impacting the baseball, nobody does it pound for pound the way that Marco Luciano does. When I say pound for pound, it's because you've got some players that are quite large, like O'Neill Cruz, who I'll get to later on, who has some of the most insane 80 grade raw power. The guy put up some of the best exit velos we've seen since Giancarlo Stanton, like rivaling Giancarlo Stanton with 120 mile per hour exit velos. Like that's absolutely insane. Uh, but he's 6'7". Marco Luciano is about 178 pounds, if I'm not mistaken, and yet is still able to put up 118 type exit velos and had just so many bombs this year. Just absolute bombs. You look at the way he's able to leave the yard, straight line drives, getting out to dead center in half a second, pull side, forget about it, and he can miss balls the other way and go yard. He, he really is that type of power hitter. But I don't think he's going to stick at shortstop. He's already making a lot of starts at designated hitter. And it's really hard for me to rank a shortstop prospect because I can't rank him anywhere else yet. What am I going to rank him? DH? He hasn't played any other position. I know he's going to play third base. I think that's at least I don't know anything, I guess, theoretically, because he hasn't played anywhere else. My expectation is that he will play third base. And I'll rank him at third when he actually plays games at third, but he's not playing games there right now. Instead, he's struggling at shortstop and DHing. So I have to rank him as a shortstop and he is struggling there. And uh, that's going to hurt him because no matter how excited I am about him offensively, 
he has to iron out some things on the defensive side or move positions. He has a ton of power, uh, and I think that the bat-to-ball skills are actually pretty solid. It's more approach for me. I think the swing plays. He doesn't really need to make any adjustments to make more consistent contact. And when we look at the numbers in low A, after a slow start, he really got settled in. That's really important to get settled in the way he didn't make those adjustments because he did start slow and people were a little bit worried. And then he just caught fire, ended up hitting 18 home runs in 70 games, slash 278, 378, 556, 22% K rate and low A. Gets the bump up to high A for 36 games where he really struggled. Only one home run in those 36. He struck out 37% of the time. I'm not that worried about it because he is he was 19 years old, just turned 20 in high A after missing 2020. And a guy that just did not have that many at-bats under his belt has prolific raw power, uh, but does not have that much experience just flat out hitting. And I think we saw that. He really struggled against lefties, which I thought was interesting. What I like is that he was still able to have the body control. I think the body looks good. It's more pitch wreck. His body control is good. His swing plays. And those are the things that are most important. But at times, I think his approach and his pitch rack can get a little bit wonky, especially against lefties. He wants to go pull side and do damage so badly against lefties, which is a trend you'll see when I talk about Noel V. Marte. And these two guys are very similar. But he wants to go pull side and do damage that, you know, it's easy to do that when it's 96. I say easy when you're Marco Luciano. You don't have to worry about rolling over as much. You don't have to worry about letting the ball travel uh, and trying to drive it the other way. But with soft throwing lefties, Luciano really did struggle. And the crafty lefties really gave him fits. He struggled against changeups more than any other pitch. And where are you going to see changeups from? Lefties. And that's why uh, the lefty splits were not good. And that's why with changeups, he was rolling over on everything or he was out in front on that front foot. And it wasn't because of the fact that I don't think he can control his body because I saw him control his body on breaking balls. It was more so when he saw that changeup, he didn't see it. So in other words, to try to make that sound uh, more understandable, he wasn't picking up the changeup and differentiating it from the fastball well. He was reading spin well, but he was not reading uh, changeups well, which is one of the hardest things to do. It's the hardest pitch to hit in baseball uh, once a pitcher really has it going for him. It's probably the hardest pitch to throw, and it's also the hardest pitch to hit uh, when it's a really good changeup. So I expect Luciano to iron that out. Uh, just that scouting report got out, and, and once he got to high A, you know, in low A, not these, most of these guys can't really throw great changeups. And in high A, they can't really as well either. Uh, but they're better. There's a lot more advanced pitchers in high A than low A. And when he got there, uh, oh, those guys were able to throw more changeups, and they went at him with it, and he saw it a decent amount of the time, and uh, it resulted in some struggles. But here's the reality with him. He's got Fernando Tatis-esque uh, raw power for a guy at the shortstop position. I just don't know if he's going to stick there. Uh, we know how bad Tatis is at short, so who knows what exactly the Giants' long-term plan is. The timeline kind of matches up with when you would think Brandon Crawford would be on his way out. And they don't really have a shortstop prospect that I'm jumping out of my chair for at this point. So they could really still hope to iron things out with Luciano at shortstop. I think he's got a better chance to stick there than Noel V. Marte, uh, especially because he has a plus-plus arm, which can allow you to get away with maybe not as good a footwork, uh, a ball that maybe you're backhanding that other guys are able to get around. Maybe you can get away with backhanding it because you have a plus-plus arm. Still have some hope that Luciano can stick there, uh, but the reality is he's a bit of a defensive liability at this point, and uh, you got to factor that in when comparing him to C.J. Abrams. uh, But what really does... 
boost my man Marco Luciano is the fact that he's the only guy on this list other than O'Neill Cruz to hit five home runs over 110 miles per hour. I mean, that is that is plus plus stuff even at the big league level. You, you just don't see that very often. So moving into the number four spot, and I'm going to wrap up with the four and five guys and maybe squeeze in a sixth in the second half here. I'm going to talk a little bit about my surprise in the four spot because it was previously Noel V. Marte and he gets the bump for somebody else. And I'll get to him in just a moment. Before I get there, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Direct TV. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and then you're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for other stuff on another television, and it's just a headache. There's so many different things to worry about, but I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Also brought to you by Built Bar. I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving and all of the good food and treats and plenty of them that comes with it, but maybe you want a good dessert and one that isn't so full of calories and sugar, well, it's the perfect time for Built Bars because Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with the coconut Built Bar or the raspberry Built Bar instead of a raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. They're low in calories, low in carbs, low in fat, high in protein, 100% covered in chocolate, and Built Bars are a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two and share some at your family gatherings. If you go to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Alrighty here, so this is what I teased and here's what we're going to talk about and it's the fact that I'm bumping Noel V. Marte and I like Noel V. Marte a lot. I'm not going to say that it's more of an indictment on Marte than it is more of a vote of confidence in my man Anthony Volpe and I just really, looking at it, I really thought about it and I was like, okay, how can I justify having Noel V. Marte ahead of Volpe at this point because Volpe is still 20 years old. It's not like he's 22 or he's, you know, in his third full professional season, which still at that point, I would even consider him a very solid prospect. But at age 20, and in fact, he was 19 years old to, to start the season, so not that much older at all than Noel V. Marte. 
he just dominated Loway and then dominated High A. He didn't even blink. He played 54 games in Loway, then 55 games in High A, and the numbers were just consistently dominant. Numbers in Loway, I'll read you the slash line real quick, and then I'll get into the details of what makes him so impressive. 302, 455, 623 slash line, 12 home runs, 21 stolen bases in 54 games. That's a 186 WRC plus, by the way. Then he goes up to high A, gets that promotion. 55 games there. Uh, His numbers take a hit, actually, a little bit. 286, 391, 587 slash line until 154 WRC plus. I think the real reason why we see the on-base percentage drop a little bit to a normal-ish. It's still freakishly high at 391. If you're like, oh, why did it drop from 455? That's just command. I mean, he was walking 20% of the time in low A because he's so patient. He's not going to expand the zone. I mean, despite being younger than his competition and hitting 27 home runs this year, so being a power guy, he actually only swung at 22% of balls outside the strike zone, which is well below average. Major League average is around 30%. So he's actually well in the green, so to speak, uh, in that department. And when you're hitting 27 home runs in 109 games, you'd think that that's a guy that's geared for just attacking baseballs and maybe too aggressive, but that's not the case at all. He actually walked a ton. And when we look at the walks versus strikeouts, he walked 78 times against 101 strikeouts. I mean, that's just spectacular, again, with the power output. Uh, and also, you're sprinkling. And I know stolen bases were weird and wonky uh, with the rules, but 33 bags, regardless, very impressive there. And you can see the speed kind of shining through. Big thing for Volpe is that you know, he's not a burner, but he's a smart base runner. He knows what pitches to run on. He's effective in that regard. Uh, people were putting below average raw power on him. Well, you can't really do that anymore. He hit 27 very legitimate home runs. Uh, when you combine that with the fact that he doesn't expand the zone uh, and that he's well above average in that regard, actually, and also is a guy that is going to stick at shortstop, which is a big key here because of all the guys that I've gone through so far, Witt's a lock to stick at shortstop. Abrams isn't a lock, but I feel very good about it. It's more so an organizational decision, I think. Uh, And then it's more likely than not that Luciano moves from short and that Noelvi Marte moves from short and that O'Neill Cruz, who we'll later talk about, will move from short. So you have to give a boost in value when we're ranking shortstops to the guys that are going to stick at shortstop. And that's exactly why uh, Volpe's got to get the edge here. He was great defensively. I think he moves really really well. His footwork was strong. Uh, I'm a big fan of what he is able to do all around on the baseball field. And the Yankees are going to be busy this offseason. We know that they're going to make some moves. And I was just on Locked On. Uh, athletics and was talking a little bit about what kind of moves they would make. And here's the thing. People are talking about, you know, what prospects you'd want to pry from a really good Yankee system now. And everyone says, oh, no, no, Dominguez is untouchable. Dominguez is untouchable. Look, Dominguez, I don't want to trade him either because his upside is so immense. But if I can keep one prospect, I'm keeping Anthony Volpe. And I want that to be very clear. I'm keeping Anthony Volpe. I'm not keeping Jason Dominguez if it's between those two. I think you are probably trying to trade away Oswald Peraza because you have Volpe at shortstop anyways, and Dominguez is an outfielder, and it seems like it makes more sense to trade Peraza along with others if you're trying to go get him at Olsen or somebody like that. But if it's between Volpe and Dominguez, 
I'm going Volpe. And again, not an indictment on Dominguez, though I do have my questions on him. And he was three for 52 against breaking balls uh, this year. (laughs) So he definitely has some things to iron out, but he's also very young. But again, Volpe's not that much older than him. He's like a year and a half, maybe two years older than him. And instead of struggling in low A, like Dominguez did for a lot of the year, Volpe dominated high A. The kid is just so advanced at the plate, such a smart hitter. I mean, even when you look at what he was able to do where he sprayed his home runs, yes, he looks to go pull side when he's ahead in the count and, and hit a lot of home runs to the pull side, but he still hit plenty foul pull to foul pull. I mean, he sprayed them all over. I would say at least 11 of his home runs, 11 of the 27 were not pull side, uh, For which for a guy that was perceived to have below average power is not what you would expect. And remember where he's going to be playing. Uh, a Yankee Stadium, presumably, if he's not traded, uh, which I would, again, make him untouchable. He's going to be able to spray home runs all over the yard there. We know that he has the power to put it out there, and he can go yard to the short portion right, no problem. He's going to have the power pull side. I mean, center field might be a different story, uh, but he has enough power to hit 25 home runs in Yankee Stadium, at least. I think he can hit 30. I mean, he just hit 27 in the minor leagues as a 20-year-old. He's only going to get more physical. I think he's only going to develop a bit more. I wouldn't say that there's that much more uh, projection on his body, but I do think that he's going to just gain some more man strength as he just turned 20. Uh, There's definitely a bit more to be gained in there, and I'm a big fan of everything I've seen from him so far, And, and the power has just really been a very pleasant surprise. The fact that eight of his home runs came on two strikes, he just has so much confidence in his bat-to-ball skills. This is somebody that's as safe of a prospect as you're going to find out there. Uh, And personally, I think he could find his way in the top 10 with some similar numbers in AA. Uh, He's just got some special ability there, and the Yankees have a gem in Volpe. And, And I mean, just the last thing I'll say on him, how about Del Barton High School in New Jersey? They had Volpe and they had Jack Leiter on the same darn team. Uh, that's not very fair. That's not fair at all. And uh, that team must have been just a pain to play against. I'm going to wrap up this episode with Noel V. Marte. And then in part two, I'll start with O'Neill Cruz and the rest of the shortstops on this list. But with Noel V. Marte, this is still a very, very intriguing prospect. His swing is so smooth. His swing... Personally, similar to what I was going to say with Marco Luciano, I think the swing plays. There's definitely some moving parts, but he seems to repeat them pretty well, and he shows that he can hit for some big-time power. The question for Marte is this. I don't know if he's going to stick at shortstop at all. I'm probably the least optimistic about him sticking at shortstop of anybody else on this top prospect list because, ironically, he's played 162 games uh, in the minor leagues, or excuse me, he has played 172. And in those 172 games in the minors, so 10 more games than a full MLB season, he's committed 60 errors. And I know it's early for him, but the errors have been unrelenting. It was 30 errors in rookie ball in 63 games. Then in 2021, 29 errors in 92 games in low A and then made another error in seven games at shortstop in high A. Here's the thing. They and the Mariners are they have not moved him at all. He every single inning he has played in the minor leagues has been a shortstop. So they really want to keep him there. Uh, They're going to continue to try. I just don't know if it's going to work out. His feet are a bit slow. Oh, he's a plus runner, but his footwork is not great at shortstop. 
I just don't love the arm accuracy at times. I think he can get a little bit sloppy. He throws flat-footed. I just don't know if he's going to stick there, especially with how many errors he's committed. He, he typically stays back, gets the ball in a bad hop. I've just seen him misplay balls too many times to, to feel optimistic. And then, <laughs> I mean, then you see the 60 errors and you're like, holy crap. Uh, so it's definitely going to be tough for him to stick there. Uh, but when you look at the offensive ceiling, he's got that kind of ceiling that I would say is right up there with anybody not named Marco Luciano on this list. Uh, it's that kind of raw power. It's that kind of ability to just launch baseballs at the age of 20 years old. He just turned 20 years old 20 days ago. Uh, So he's got some special kind of power. He's a plus runner. Uh, There's a belief that he might slow down as he puts on a bit more weight. He's 6'1", 181, but definitely has some room for more strength. But he had 17 home runs this year and was really solid in low A. He got the call up to high A for eight games, so didn't quite get as many ball games as Marco Luciano did. Uh, So it's hard to draw any conclusions from the eight ball games, but he was okay in those uh, those handful of games. In low A, he was solid. Not quite the production and consistency of Marco Luciano, but these guys are very, very similar. I would say that Marte is a bit more aggressive, and I have more concerns about Marte and his swing and miss than Marco Luciano. With Luciano, it seems like it's more of just picking up the changeup, differentiating that from the fastball, and just being more patient against left-handed pitchers. With somebody like Noelvi Marte, he just really struggles with the breaking ball at this point. And, and that's something that, you know, is it can do guys in. It can do guys in. And the breaking ball has been the issue for him. And he looks to go pull side too often. So still, I don't think the swing is as much of an issue for him either. I like his swing. There's some moving parts and maybe the leg kick is part of the reason why he has some of these issues. But in terms of repeating that leg kick and in terms of the smoothness of his swing and his body movements, everything looks good. But he pulls the ball 50% of the time. And when you pull the ball 50% of the time and you are also struggling with breaking balls, it seems like he's just flying open. He's trying to do damage way too often on pitches that he's hoping are middle in. And when they break away from him, all he has is just his hands out there that he's going to cast out and he rolls over. And I think that's kind of reflected in his batted ball data. I mean, you look at the home runs, the big time homers and almost all of the homers period were pull side. I mean, it would be when he catches that ball out in front or when he's geared up for the heater in and gets it. Uh, He's able to catch up to those. So he doesn't need to cheat to those pitches, but it's like he's always ready for that. And I think as the season went on, we started to see him get more and more pitches on the outer half, got pounded away more and more and more. And that kind of affected him. He rolled over a lot more. And if you look at the, the distribution of his home runs, he only went oppo on two homers that barely got out at about 94 mile per hour and 98 mile per hour exit velocities, which for him, he's somebody that goes pull side and launches balls 110 miles an hour and 400 plus feet. So it seems like he's he's a guy right now that really needs to be thinking right center gap uh, when he's facing those guys that he knows are going to pound him away. I mean, right now he's just too geared up pull side and it's affecting his overall ability to just hit. It really is. I think that he's got a good feel for the strike zone. I think that he's got the ability to be an average to above average hitter, uh, but he's got to refine that approach and, and not look 
look to hit the ball 500 feet every single time. That's not going to be his game. He's going to hit a lot of home runs, and that will be a huge part of his game. He's got 60 raw power, and I think he can have 60 game power. But he is a guy that's going to be an above average runner that is going to want to get on base at a pretty high clip. Yes, he's going to hit homers, but he's not going to be successful if he's trying to sell all out and be that low batting average high home run guy that doesn't really fit his profile as a 6'1", 181 pound shortstop. I guess if he makes a move to third, which is presumably what will happen, uh, that fits the profile a bit more. But I think he's got too good of a swing to sell out for that kind of power. He doesn't need to cheat. You know, if this is Joey Gallo, somebody that you know has to look for a certain spot, look in a certain zone, and hope he connects because of the the length of his swing, then it's a bit different. Uh, but with Noel V. Marte, the bat's too quick. His bat-to-ball skills are actually strong enough. It's just going to be uh, a refinement in his approach that needs to be had, and uh, I'm expecting that to happen. He just turned 20, and he should have a full year in high A next year before maybe getting a call up towards the end of the season at double A to really iron those things out. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he continues. But when you commit 60 errors and you have some approach questions, it's hard for me to put him ahead of a guy uh, in Volpe who just put up crazy numbers and is really only several months older and is going to stick at shortstop. I I just think that that it's too clear at that point. And you're just trying too hard uh, if you put Marte ahead of him, though I do love Marte's offensive ceiling. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We got part two coming up on the next episode tomorrow. And also, you can keep up with all of my prospect coverage and writing over at JustBaseball.com. If you have a moment, please, uh, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating on the podcast. Let me know how I'm doing as it helps me immensely with visibility and growing the show. As always, thank you for listening and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.